Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for the new comics coming out May 2nd, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Tucker Marcus. Yeah, Tucker! We hey. did it! Back together again! That's right! I listened to last week's episode. I oh, was boy. delighted. <laughs> I, I listened to it after my vacation. Uh, I chuckled a couple times. I got very concerned at the beginning, where you were just... All over the place. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Everything's on fire. But y'all pulled it together. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. It was good. It was good. <laughs> uh, but if you're just joining us on Marvel's The Pull List, we're going to talk about all the new comics out this week, single issues, collections, some books that are sort of hybrids of yeah. collections and single issues, digital stuff, all kinds of good things, give you our picks for the week. And uh, some of those books we'll talk about more on This Week of Marvel later this week. But right now, kick us off, Tucker. The first book this week is Astonishing X-Men number 11, which is written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is Charles's second to last issue on Astonishing X-Men. As we revealed a few weeks ago now, uh, Matt Rosenberg is going to be taking over the title, which is so exciting. But there are some really interesting choices made here. This is A Man Called X Part 5. I love it in in the wrap-up on the um, credits page where it just says, Proteus has defeated the X-Men. Like, it's it's already concluded. It's already over. Dunsky. Essentially, he has uh, uh, seeded reality gardens all across the world. You know, it's it's a great villain story where it's like he has this very logical, you know, some may understand perspectives and how he wants to change the world. But it's just it's not reality. It's not the way things are meant to be just by nature. So, of course, the X-Men have come to stop him. I love this so much specifically because Charles Saul and Ron Garney who worked so much on... And Matt Mila. You're exactly right. To bring that creative team on here and to unleash them on the X-Men world and on this story is so perfect. Matt Mila's colors in this issue are awesome. It's so like neon technicolor. I really feel like the colors exemplify the craziness going on mm, uh, in this point. story. And then by the end, you know, especially with Ron's scratchy pencils yeah. when he do- when he gets really cool and really into, into the darkness... Oh, that that reveal by the end was yeah. great. Yeah, there's a big reveal that comes up on the last page, but I think Astonishing is a, such a great corner of the X-Men, uh, you know, Marvel Comics universe. I love the playground that it exists as, and uh, uh, number 12 is coming up soon, and then uh, we dive into uh, Matt Rosenberg's run. It's, it's all good things in the world of Astonishing X-Men. Yeah. Speaking of all good things, we got a big old number one, and it is all the good things. Oh, yeah. Avengers number one is out this week, and boop, 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 one of my picks for the week. For sure. Hands down, without question, so excited. Uh, it is written by Jason Aaron. Oh, love Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. Art by Ed McGinnis. Oh my God, I love Ed so much. Uh, and then you've got inks by Mark Morales, colors by David Curiel, letters by Corey Petit. This is such a dope creative team. Yeah. Ed's, he's always so good at drawing massive, whether it's a character, it's a moment, it's a story. And then you have Jason who writes massive but also super personal. Yeah. So you get, especially, you know, you look at Thor and you've had this sweeping story, tons of characters, all based around Thor. So you get a lot of characterization for, you know, whether it's Thor Odinson or the mighty Thor Jane and building up, building up. But he's done so much with a huge cast of characters, Freya, Loki, 
Odin, Roz Solomon, so many characters who've been pulled in and have been given great arcs. So you know he could do this wonderful team book. He did Wolverine and the X-Men years ago, which was a tremendous team book. But now we're getting him on the team book. And you bring him together with Ed and the rest of this art team. So this story has got celestials. It's got massive hulking characters. Literally a like caveman with the power of the star brand in one million years in the past. <laughs> this prehistoric Avengers team. And they look so big and so massive. And it's, it's everything I love. We're going to talk about it a little bit more with Jamie on This Week in Marvel. But this is like... This is where you want to be. This is the book you got to read this week. All right, from one big Avengers, number one, to Avengers Back to Basics, number five, the Marvel Comics miniseries that is exclusive to Comixology. It's going to be part of Comixology and Comixology Unlimited, uh, which is super cool. I've been reading this series. This is number five, the penultimate issue written by Peter David, art by Brian Level. And in it, Kamala Khan has been sort of seeing the history of the Avengers with the special pair of like VRE type goggles. But now she's thrust into the history. There's this wonderful scene right in the beginning of just Kamala being in the formation of Avengers time period. And she talks to Hulk. Hulk's like, oh, who are you? Oh, what's going on? She's like, dude, chill. I'm from the future. I know who you are. And he's like, whoa. He's like, everything's going to be cool. People love you. You're great. And he's just like, awesome. Yeah. And it's the best. And it, it sort of you know, shows that Kamala is an Avenger, whether it's today, tomorrow, 50 years in the future. Uh, she's a champion now, but we know she's such an important part of the Marvel Universe. It's a great book centered around her and, and this little time travel business. All right. Also centered around like the future yeah. and time travel and craziness. We've got Captain America 701 written by Mark Wade. This art team, though. I don't even know what to say. All right. I'm going to say the names <laughs> first. Leonardo Romero with Adam Hughes and J.G. Jones. Colors, Matthew Wilson with Adam Hughes and Paul Mounts. Lettering by Joe Caramagna. Now, why am I so excited? One, Adam Hughes is not a guy who does a lot of interior comic book work. He is tremendously talented. As you find out when you open up the book and you're thrust into World War II, uh, a battle with Cap and Bucky. They're trying to get uh, a serum from the Nazis. There's punching and kicking. But Adam Hughes has sort of been this artist who's looked at as drawing women really well. Like He's famous for the, the way he draws female characters. And it's earned. He's a beautiful artist. But you also see in this, he's a master at Fun action, characterization. There's a the scene where the the female villain here kicks Cap, and she's like goose stepping mm. uh, and kicking Cap in the chest at the same time. And it's got this this flow to it. The way it's structured and the choreographed is so good. Then you have the the sound effects are built into the art in in this wonderful way. And you know some of the lettering is done like this germanic font or there's one that is the american flag that is coloring in the crang of yeah. cap shield i feel like joe caramani really gets to shine in several moments in here including later on we go to san francisco and yeah. things like that but just loved those moments yeah so wonderfully done then yes we go boom further into the future than we are now to the leo leonardo romero pages and we see sort of how that plays into this it's this wonderful story of cap's legacy it really is a great connection from the previous story of Cap's duty, his legacy, his place in the world. And this is what Cap 
does to affect the world, even if he's not there. Uh, but the J.G. Jones pages, great, great talent. Also, someone who has not done a ton of Marvel interior work. So this is a really cool story. So you've got J.G. Jones doing a, like, 60s-era Captain America story with Dr. Faustus and a great, like, I don't know if this was J.G. or if this was Mark Wade, but there's this band playing in a, in a club in San Francisco in 1968 called The Nega Band, and it's fronted <laughs> by Rick Jones. And that is, like... Like six layers of wonderful Marvel continuity geeky reference because Rick Jones, he was Bucky for a while. He was sort of he was the person that Bruce uh, Banner saved. He became sort of an honorary Avenger. He was very influential into a lot of Avenger stories. He also wore the Nega bands, these two bracelets that helped power up Captain Marvel and go between the universe that he was stuck in. And then he and Rick would switch places. It's this wonderful thing. I got really excited when I read it. And I was like, this is maybe the geekiest cut this week. (laughs) But the issue is tremendous. Another great cap. Uh, moving on to another super awesome genre-specific story. This is Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Lost, number one. This is the first of four uh, really cool different genre takes on the Hunt for Wolverine. This one is written by Charles Soule, who is kind of showrunning the entire uh, operation. The art is by Matteo Bufagni. Colors by Jim Charlampetis. Letters by Joe Sabino. If you like noir, if you like mystery, that is this story to a T. It's all told wonderfully through uh, the narration of Daredevil. And it's essentially kind of like a getting the team together uh, book to try and help out in their neck of the woods in Hell's Kitchen to find what happened to Wolverine, where he is, uh, where he's going. There are some great little allusions to the fact that this is like a worldwide operation that pretty much every superhero, every team, every group, whoever it might be, is kind of involved in one way or another. But this is just their Hell's Kitchen story. And it is kind of told in that perfect, dark, rainy. The colors are incredible. Jim Charlampetis really crushes that noir uh, look. And uh, yeah, The Hunt for Wolverine, it's on. This has one of my favorite lines of the week. It's, quote, of course I've got a flying car. What is this, amateur hour? (laughs) It's misty night. Then it has one of my favorite panels with Frank McGee asking Daredevil which Wolverine they're looking for. You know, they go through different versions. He says, the android? The android is Albert, who was created by the Reavers to kill Wolverine. He usually rolls with another android who is, uh, like, was built to be a small girl to seem super innocent. Mm -hmm. And her name is... LCD. So you have Albert. LCD sort of created Albert and named him after Albert Einstein. And LCD is like E-L-S-I-E-D-E-E, but it's LCD, like a screen. (laughs) I just loved it when I was a kid. Albert and LCD were these great characters. They were sort of off on the side for Wolverine. They didn't want to kill him. They saw that he was a good guy. It was like they had this great dramatic story. Anytime they show up, it brings me joy. So just seeing that one little panel of Albert was like propels this yeah. above everything. Yeah, yeah. A few of my favorite panels are coming up in the next book. Ooh, I can't wait because we're talking about Infinity Countdown number three. It's written 
by Jerry Duggan. Pencils by Aaron Kudereth, Mike Hawthorne. Inks by Aaron Kudereth, Terry Pallett. And colors by the mighty Jordi Belair. Letters by Corey Petit. Oh my God, so much happens in this issue. It, it just, it's like... Adam Warlock versus Ultron with an Ultronized... Ultronized? That sounds about right. Silver Surfer. Um, you got Ultron being launched into space as sort of like evil space pods full of... Ultrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, the final battle on Zitwang, which great epic thing. And it's great because we've got the Mike Hawthorne pages are the Adam Warlock, Silver Surfer things, and Aaron Cooter's pages are all on Zitwang. And you get that juxtaposition. They, they work well because the ones with Ultron are gross, nasty horror vibe that mm-hmm. Mike does so well. And then the big, like, neon action is where, you know, you see all of Aaron's art with Jordy's colors. It's incredible. You got the power of the saxophone. This is yeah. up there with the finest saxophone moments in pop culture history since Mr. Billy C showed up on Arsenio to play what? some sax. What about Lost Boys? Yes. Yeah, one of the finest. That's up you Lost Boys that is, in there. is the touch point for me. <laughs> There is some incredible sex. I love Jerry's just like boldness to say, I'm going to make a huge moment in this Infinity Countdown story revolve around Drax and his sex. Drax sex. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is that has always been a part of his character. Like it was Drax had this different history in the comics and him playing the saxophone was part of who he was, was his connection to who he used to be. And to see Jerry bring that back and, and make it a pivotal point in this issue was so rewarding. Yeah. And it, like there was a warmth to it for Drax, for the Guardians, for the story. Just everything about it clicked so well for me. And I feel the same way about the choice to make a lot of this story revolve, revolve around Adam Warlock as well. Like I love the kind of repositioning him to the center of the Marvel Universe in so many ways, taking advantage of his huge cosmic power because he's an incredible hero with so much rich Marvel history. He's up there in the great pantheon of Marvel heroes and to see him come back to the fore in this story is so exciting. He's also kind of a tragic hero because he tends to always... Things go awry Mm -hmm. with Adam Warlock, whether it's he has an evil doppelganger version of himself that becomes more powerful and takes over the universe, or he gets ultimate power, then can't handle it and has to let go of it. And then, you know, that causes all kinds of chaos or he dies and comes back. Like Adam Warlock's fascinating. I love the character so much. And the current design is, is really, really wonderful. You've got this whole question, which is brought up here. Is reality real? Is this a simulation? And then there are starts bits and pieces in this, and you go, wait a minute, what is happening? Yeah. And like making you question the reality of of what is in there, which then you can start digging into like, is reality a simulation in our world? <laughs> and the discussions around that. Do a Google of that stuff. <laughs> that'll get you going for a little while. There's a big player coming onto the field really soon that we see by the end of the issue. Oh, the Ant-Man, all the, the Ant-Man stuff. That that was one of those are the favorite panels I was talking about. So funny. So perfect. Yeah. Uh. Next up is Rise of the Black Panther, number five. It's written by Evan Narciss. Consultant on this book is Ta-Nehisi Coates. Pencils on this issue are Javier Pina and Edgar Salazar. Inks by Javier Pina and Keith Champagne. Colors by Stephanie Pichru. This is a super personal issue specifically. I feel like Rise of the Black Panther as an entry to the Black Panther universe with its analysis of T'Challa, his family lineage, 
uh, how he became king, how he's adjusting to the throne. The entire series is kind of based on that very personal premise. But this issue specifically, I feel like, gets to the conflict in a very real and new way where we see him dealing uh, with a bunch of people in his family, people who might as well be family, enemies of his that are as close to him as family. But in this issue, he's kind of forced to directly confront a lot of it. And those moments are super powerful because of the work that Evan has been doing uh, in this series as a whole, which I'm loving. There's a great flashback scene in here where he we see T'Challa in Harlem uh, and he runs into someone who hasn't quite gone on their now legendary journey yet. And it just works so perfectly uh, to see the things they have in common, to see them both as young heroes as yet to be fully realized as the, the heroes we know them as today. As we move towards the end of it, I don't know, there's kind of like been drums in the background and they've been slowly getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And I think we're going to finally see that kind of crash through the wall in the next issue and to see those literal chess pieces being pushed around and organized and set up. Uh, I'm really excited to see how that becomes like the all out action that it's definitely going to be. Heck yeah. Big issue for me coming up. It's Rogan Gambit number five. This is the end of this limited series. I didn't want it to end. Yeah, it went by so fast. It, oh, man, this was so good. It is, again, I said it before, I'll say it again, I was a Gambit hater. <laughs> I'm still not a Gambit lover, but I'm a Gambit appreciator. <laughs> Ooh, okay. You know? And I think that is all credit to this creative team of Kelly Thompson, the writer, Pere Perez, the artist, Frank D'Armada, the colorist, and Joe Carmagna, the letter, because this is just such a good series, giving me the perspective I needed to see why people love Gambit as reflected on why Rogue loves Gambit. Mm -hmm. Because I love Rogue. She is one of my favorite X-Men. She is such an important part. She is the character that you you look to. She's had this redemptive arc. She was a villain. She reformed. She became part of the X-Men. She suffered. She's led. She's bled. She's died. She's done all this cool stuff. And she loves this scumbag. <laughs> I thought it was a scumbag. He's, he's not as terrible as I thought. We get a lot of their memories, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, their loves. In this issue, there's this wonderful splash page, which I have open in front of me right now, which shows Rogue punching Gambit. Spoiler, it's just uh, it's one of the, the, the golems. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of golems in this issue, uh, fake Gambit. But as she's punching him, you see all these different memories that they, they've shared. My favorite one being the two of them with kittens. Aww. They're just like hanging out with some really cute kittens. <laughs> That's all I need. But my favorite thing in this is Rogue being this awesome mega hero. There's, again, another two-page spread. Gorgeous, gorgeous art by Perry Perez and Frank D'Armada throughout. But this two-page spread has, um, you know, like Rogue has figured out what she needs to do to beat Lavish, this this villain of the, of the series. This two-page spread has a panel on the left with Rogue She's talking. She's getting ready to do her thing. She's putting her foot down. She's not taking any more. Then the bulk of these two pages are just, it's like she's going Super Saiyan. Mm. You know, she's like arms out, power exploding around her. She's absorbing all these, these memories and powers that are around her. And you've got little below her, you've got Gambit, who's looking up at her and he's like, oh my God, I love her. She's <laughs> the best. Look at her. She's rogue. And he's like, 
it's the right dynamic for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it works so well. And then you got this, boom, this third panel on these two pages. It's the tease of her souped up look and telling the villain that she done messed up. You get this wonderful transformation. The dialogue here is emotional and impactful and intense. The art mirrors it so well. And the rest of the book, you know, we get the resolution to the story. There's more smooching. There's wonderful stuff. The art, uh, I, I can't speak enough about this art team. They just hit those emotional beats so well in addition to the punching and the kicking and the exploding and the smooching is damn near one of my favorite limited series we put out in a long time. Yeah, there's some really wonderful emotion and looks at the legacy of those characters. And similarly, there is some really, really powerful emotion and a really powerful look at the legacy of a certain character in Spider-Man 240, which is co-creator Brian Michael Bendis' last issue with Miles Morales. He is the writer. Oscar Balzadua is the artist. Laura Martin with Matt Miller and Peter Pantazis for JPO on colors and Corey Petit on letters. This issue is really directly inspired by Brian's own life. Um, Of course, any writer is bringing their own experiences, their own perspective on the world to every single page, but this one in a a really uh, specific and powerful way. As many comic fans know, Brian had a health scare at the end of last year. Uh, He talks about it in the letters page, which for me is worth the price of admission with this book alone. 100%. It is such a, a meaningful look back on the character, on the journey that Brian has taken alongside Miles Morales. But he talks about how this issue, which comes in the aftermath of some crazy helicarrier action uh, for Miles and his uncle Aaron. And essentially, Miles is in the hospital and he's throughout the whole issue. It's very interesting. It's really, it really works as a comic book in the medium uh, where he's just fading in and out of consciousness throughout the entire issue. Every time he kind of wakes up again, there are different people there visiting him in the hospital. His parents are there. Gonki is there. Different heroes come to visit. But Brian uh, explains that that is literally how his almost the entire month of December 2017 was for him. It was just in and out of consciousness in the hospital and seeing, you know, a bunch of different friends and family and a lot of different comic book people coming to visit him. And it works perfectly as this farewell for the co-creator to his now fully uh, fleshed out creation that will go on to do many, many amazing things. It is just an incredible read. Farewell to BMB. Yeah, it is one of my picks of the week. That's yeah. why I was silent through most of it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more on This Week in Marvel. It's a good one. And also, shout out to Justin Ponsor, who is um, battling some health stuff right now. And there's a good bit of tribute in this. And uh, we're pulling for, for Justin as well. All right. There's two books that are kind of collections, but they are floppies in a sense, because they're, they're not, you know, square bound. They're, they've got their staples in them. Uh, but they're collections of some older stuff. The first is S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hickman and Weaver. The Rebirth, number one, this collects the first four issues of S.H.I.E.L.D. by writer Jonathan Hickman, artist Dustin Weaver, that had colors by Sonia Obach, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Christina Strain, letters by Todd Klein. This is important because S.H.I.E.L.D. 5 and 6 are coming. Mm. We're going to get them soon, finally. This book, 
It's got Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, Howard Stark, Galileo Galilei, Nikola Tesla, uh, and many more. It's like the secret history of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Universe. It is fantastic. Really friggin' good. I highly suggest you pick this up if you've never read the S.H.I.E.L.D. series. And it's only $6 for four issues, jam-packed, thick, thick, (laughs) thick Thick books. And so the other book that I wanted to make sure we spotlight in this, because it's not a regular collection, uh, but it does collect some books, is Star Wars, Tag and Bink Were Here. Ben and I discussed Tag and Bink way back in episode number 213 of This Week in Marvel. Hmm. So that's a ways back, but if you guys want to go listen to what we had to say about it in full, go back to episode number 213. Now, this is kind of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead or Waiting for Godot, a lot of similarities to those stories, uh, but for the Star Wars universe. It's these two characters, Tag and Bink, and they're right off to the side of the major events of episodes four and six, but there's still bits and pieces. There's some episode one stuff in here, which the episode one stuff, all of it is kind of crazy. Like the part in the end of Return of the Jedi with the final battle between Luke and Vader and the Emperor, and they're just, they're like right outside the room. It's so great. Uh, But I, I highly suggest it. Super duper funny book. Great art. It is written by Kevin Rubio. Pencils by Lucas Marignan with Rick Zombo. Inks by Howard M. Shum and Lucas Marignan with Randy Emberlin. Colors by Michelle Madsen, Dan Jackson, Dan Brown. It's tremendous. This one, similar to S.H.I.E.L.D., this one is only going to cost you 8 bucks, and it's jam-packed with comic books. Yeah. Super terrific. It's going to be a big year, a big month for Tag and Bink because these dudes are going to show up in Solo, a Star Wars story. Whoa. whoa. Are you for real? Yeah. This is literal <laughs> brand news to me. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Ron Howard, several months ago when they were still filming, Ron Howard tweeted something no. out to Kevin Rubio. I am flabbergasted right now. I am losing my mind on this podcast. <laughs> John Kasdan, who is uh, the co-writer of the movie with his father, Larry Kasdan, I think he's a big Tag and Bink fan, so he made sure to drop him just that like one little Tag and Bink moment. Uh, this is the greatest <laughs> moment ever. Yeah. So if you, this is what, I just thought we were reprinting it because it's fantastic comics. <laughs> now it actually makes sense. Yeah. Holy, I am trying really hard not to curse right now, I'll tell you that much, because I am genuinely very excited. Yeah. This is tremendous. Now you have to read it. Now, before we continue to go on, Tucker, mm-hmm. thinking about Tag and Bink and how they just fell into all this crazy stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Empire, they should have had something like ZipRecruiter that would help them find the right people for the job. You need a Crimson, what do they call the, the guys that stand up? Crimson out? Guard. Crimson Guard? Yeah. They need to find the right Crimson Guardsman? They should have used ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Can you imagine the turnaround time for an empire? Yeah. The empire. Like a Jedi gets loose. The bureaucracy, the HR, all that stuff. They have (laughs) ZipRecruiter. Boom. One day, they are hiring someone, putting them in. They don't get stuck with Tag and Bink. Yeah. It would have been so helpful for them. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And right now, Marvel's The Pull List listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. That's like zero galactic credits. That's zero dollars. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash list. 
That's ZipRecruiter.com slash list to try ZipRecruiter for free. Somebody go tell the emperor. Like, yeah, just well, get him on this. Get him on the horn. Yeah, just uh, sign him up. It's probably like emperor at galacticempire.gov. Yeah, it would be dot gov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, more Star Wars action comes in the form of Star Wars number 47, which is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, letters by Clayton Cowles. We are knee deep in Mon Cala action. The team is essentially trying to free the Mon Calamari king to get him on the side of the rebellion in their fight against the Empire. The Empire is kind of has an iron fist uh, rule over the planet. The crew, Han, Leia... Luke, 3PO, R2-D2, Chewbacca, they're all together on this kind of like heist mission to steal a man, to steal the moth of the planet and use him essentially as a human key to get the king back. This issue is so fun because 3PO plays a really big part in like this ruse that they have going on. And it's so funny to see him like, you know, that is absolutely not what he's cut out for, but he tries to manage, he tries to do his best. And that is really the essence of the whole issue in this, this story arc. And it's kind of working, but also kind of getting him into more trouble as they go along. Uh, and they end up in some uh, really, really wild moments. Tonally, it feels... Uh, super fresh and interesting. And, you know, we're moving towards Star Wars number 50, which is insane. But, uh, yeah, this is a great issue. Tucker, I'm still reeling from this tag and bank. I know. I'm <laughs> like... Should we take a break? Yeah, I... I, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost at sea because I really want to see the movie now. Yeah. It, for, for this Star Wars issue, if you want to see Chewie shake off water mm. like a dog, this is your book. That's what you need. I knew you would love that. Yeah, yeah, 100% I did. I also love knowing Kieran Gillen that he loves creating art and stories within his art and stories. So it, he, in this, creates this uh, Mon Calamari opera within mm-hmm. this this tale. Interesting note. Look, the Mon Calamari are big into the arts. Yeah. And we got a glimpse of this uh, for the first time ever in Star Wars canon in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, where they're sitting and they're That's talking. That's right. And yeah. so and it's a great little touch on that moment. Yeah, yeah definitely. 100%. But like he goes deep. Yes, into, he really does. Like, I, I love Kieran. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> and this, this made me really happy. Yeah. Next up is Venomized number five. This is written by Colin Bunn with art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Matt Yaki, and letters by Joe Caramagna. This is the end of Venomized. The year of Venom, fear not, will roll on even faster than ever, but this is a great send-off to uh, the Venomized series. Kid Kaiju has come into the fray. He has entered the game. He's trying to help out in the fight against the poisons uh, and against the Venoms being converted into poisons, but the inevitable, the bad has to happen there, which is Kid Kaiju's monsters get poisoned and, you know, end up being a, a dangerous force on their own but thankfully the x-men have been out lost in space essentially they're coming back into the fight it is so perfect to see those threads come back together yeah you've got all the things that we've been building on from the different stories there's great big highs in this but there's also a big heroic sacrifice i won't give any more details but i will say it landed really well it Mm -hmm. got me and i was like emotionally invested in it and, and there's great bit at the end that that sort of ties it up and but also what is great about stories like this is 
They tie all the things together, do what you got to do, but also leave a couple little threads yeah, that yeah. can be followed up upon at a later date. And that's what this does and does it really, really well. Dug the crap out of it. Also dug the crap out of Weapon X number 17. This is the first issue where Sabretooth is in charge, baby. I loved this so oh, much. Oh, man. Well, maybe my favorite cover of the week mm-hmm. by Raza. It is Sabretooth in, a, in an A-shirt as we say, <laughs> an A-shirt, and uh, it's got a Weapon X logo on it, a tank top, and he's uh, he's holding a world's best boss coffee mug, uh, smiling, blood on his fingers, on his hands, claws, uh, there's a little blood smear on the cup. It's just so good and visceral and tells you, like, Sabretooth is having some fun. We, we're in Russia, though, for the bulk of this issue. We're mm. in Russia because... Omega Red has returned. I love Omega Red. Omega Red first appeared in, I believe, X-Men number four. Omega Red was this cool villain with these gnarly tentacles and this death power where he could sap your energy in your life. And he uses these carbonadium tentacles. Yeah. You have adamantium, vibranium. Carbonadium is up there. Mm -hmm. Definitely not as strong, but is a little bit more pliable and very dangerous. Uh, And especially in the hands of someone like... Uh, Omega Red, who was a serial killer and a very dangerous individual. He has been in this Siberian prison, and now he is let loose. Uh, He's trying to break out, and the Weapon X team is to go there and put a stop to him. Wolverine is in no condition to lead, so he gives up the seat to Sabretooth, which just is delicious. Yeah, There's this Arlie Ermey sequence where Sabretooth is yelling at Warpath, and basically, you know, just giving him that drill sergeant instructor type of uh, spiel, mm-hmm. like in Full Metal Jacket, is so good. Yeah. It's, it, it's tremendous. I should tell you that it is so good because of the creative team on this book, which is writers, Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti. Art, Yildare Sinar, colors, Frank D'Armada, and letters by Joe Caramagna. You've got smoochin', secret smoochin' in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got scheming, secret scheming in here. <laughs> Uh, and, of course, Omega Red being a jerk. And there's an interesting twist to Omega Red and what's going on with him. Something is awry. Uh, I do know that we see Omega Red on future covers of this uh, mm. book. So I'm I'm very curious to where we're going. One Ekis book to another Ekis book. This is Ekis Men Gold. That's X-Men Gold, number 27, it's Till Death Do Us Part, Part 2. We're on our way to the wedding, question mark? Are we? Because a lot of stuff is going wrong. This is written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Geraldo Borges, colors by Reef Prianto, and letters by Corey Petit. In Till Death Do Us Part, Part 1, things went wrong. In Till Death Do Us Part, Part 2, this issue, things get even worse. Piotr has been kidnapped. Are you you now calling him Piotr? Like I, like I, like you're his Russian family. That's right. Okay. I I think it's cute. I love borscht. I love. Uh, what is borscht? It's like it's like cabbage soup. I think. Really? Yeah. But yeah, Colossus has been kidnapped, and there's not much he can do about it. It's essentially like the bachelor party has to go and try and save him and like the bachelorette party has to go and try and save him. Uh, And so there's some really, really wonderful team ups that come out of that. Kitty is reeling, but doing her best to kind of maintain her natural like leadership position. And, you know, they should just be like on a nice honeymoon at this point. They need to elope 
A S A F P. Yes. Because X Men could get killed. They could get aliened away. They could get kidnapped. They could get brought into limbo through a <laughs> portal. They could get mutated into babies. Anything can happen to an X Man. They need to get eloped ASAP. Yeah. No big production. No, no. just like go to City Hall. Yeah. Just do it. Get her done. That's it. That's just all you need. Do it. Gosh. Uh, I literally wrote that drama around getting married. Kitty and Peter need to just elope and get it over with. <laughs> that was what my notes said. Uh, because you never know. Yeah. Gosh. All right. Last book of the week is You Are Deadpool, number one. This is bonkers. Yeah. This book is crazy, y'all. This is also Jamie's pick of the week. We're going to talk about it on This Week in Marvel, but it's written by Al Ewing, art by Salva Espin, with colors by Guru Effects and letters by Joe Sabina. Great cover by Raza. This is a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's also a game. Mm -hmm. So it's like a role-playing choose-your-own-adventure game that's going to span the course of this five-issue limited series. And uh, there's even some credit given here to Kieran Gillen, who has a cameo Mm -hmm. in this. So if you're wondering what Star Wars writer Kieran Gillen looks like, he's in this book holding a sandwich. Uh, (laughs) It's really cool. Uh, I also want to play this game. I want us to to do a playthrough of this. There's actually a page in here where you can cut out your own Deadpool die, but you're not going to do that. Because either you bought a digital version or you don't want to cut up your comic book. <laughs> Just use a regular, you know, die that you get with, I don't know, where do you get a, a boggle? Or, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got a boggle, right? <laughs> uh, what is that? What's that game? Monopoly? Does Monopoly have die? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Literally, sure like, you move into a house and there's a, a Monopoly box already in the house. Yeah. It comes it's with haunted. Yeah. And then you play, <laughs> and it never ends. Anyway, You Are Deadpool, number one, is really cool. I am trying to wrap my head around it, and I do want to play it. So we'll see how that goes. We do have two True Believers issues out this week, though. They are $1 value comics. You get Kitty Pride and Wolverine, number one, and True Believers Wolverine Sword Quest, number one. Sword Quest, number one, is the, I believe it's the first issue of the f- ongoing Wolverine series. Uh, oh, nice. From from a couple years ago, it's Patch, and he's uh, he's in Madripoor. It's cool. <laughs> Collections on sale this week include <laughs> Agents of Atlas, the complete collection, Volume One, Avengers Assemble, Game On, Color Your Own Deadpool Again, Color Your Own Star Wars, Han Solo, Deadpool Classic Companion Volume Two, Punisher Max by Garth Ennis Volume One. It's a favorite of ours. Uh, She-Hulk Volume 3, Jen Walters Must Die, Spider-Man Free Falling, Star Wars Han Solo, Weapon X The Return, and Wolverine Goes to Hell Omnibus. All right, on the Marvel app this week, uh, some extra issues including some 70s Man-Thing, which is terrific, and Green Goblin from the 90s, uh, which is also one of the digital collections this week. Green Goblin, a lighter shade of green. That's a cool one if you've been reading a lot of uh, Dan Slott's Spider-Man and you know, you're seeing the Goblin King character. Well, he sort of started as this Green Goblin, tried to be a hero, went down a very different path and ended up to where he was most recently. Mm. On Freshly Digitized, which is comics available on Marvel Unlimited, so much this week. It's wild, y'all. I cannot go through the whole list, but I will pick out some like Deadly Foes of Spider-Man, one through four. 
as well as Lethal Foes of Spider-Man 1 through 4. Just some fun limited series from the late 80s, early 90s. Then we got a bunch of new Warriors issues, which is great. Ben Moore somewhere smiling, looking off into the distance, happy that more new Warriors joins the uh, uh, Marvel Unlimited. And the last couple I'll point out, Wolverine Night of Terror, Wolverine Cable, Guts and Glory, and Wolverine Nick Fury, Scorpio Rising. They are some 90s Wolverine prestige format books that uh, it's just cool to see that stuff added to Marvel Unlimited. And if you, you know, you're just digging on some Wolverine after you're reading these uh, books in Marvel Unlimited, you can go check out the penultimate chapter of Wolverine the Long Night, one of Tucker's favorite words, penultimate. Snicked. (laughs) Penultimate, snicked. That's like, those are my claws, is saying the word penultimate. Like, if there's a comic book of me, it's just me saying the words anti-penultimate and penultimate, but it's just like got its own sound effect. Nice. (laughs) Uh, But even better than that is listening to the second to last episode of Wolverine the Long Night on Stitcher. Premium. Check it out. Go to WolverinePodcast.com. I think you can still use code MARVEL. Get yourself a month for free. And at this point, how can you not listen to the whole series? All of it will be there for you within the next week. Pretty great. There's also an article on Marvel.com slash comics right now. Go check it out, which lists all of the books that are coming for the entire month of May to Marvel Unlimited. So go see what's in the pipeline. All of them, Tucker? All of them. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, a uh, link in the article, as well as all the digital collections and the single issues, all that fun stuff. Uh, that's it. That's this episode. Whew. We did it. We did it. This is Marvel. Your universe.